ist Ball. G'day Fisters, welcome back for the fifth episode of the Fist, the whole Fist and nothing but the Fist, so help me pod, the official Fistball Australia podcast, or as it's known all around the world as the, uh, the TFT, WFAN, BTS, HMPTOFAP for short. I'm back after, I guess, a suspicious absence from the last podcast. Thankfully, I did get to edit last week's podcast, which was uh, a pleasure. So I guess I should introduce the co-host from last episode, Malcolm, Mr. Fister, Donnellyon. Nailed it. Uh, yep, always a pleasure. Um, and yeah, I'm glad I was able to give you a whole week's worth of, of editing to do there. I have... Just to mix things up a bit, yeah, we're sort of recording at a different time this week, so I haven't been at the pub all day for a start <laughs> before doing the podcast, which will hopefully help you out a little bit this week. Yeah, I mean, just as a very quick behind the scenes uh, look into the editing process, you know, I don't want to make a big deal out of it because, I, you know, I do put this on myself, but uh, when the podcast gets released, the way it gets released is generally not how it's recorded. And uh, last last episode, I obviously wasn't around to um, keep these, these young men in order. So last week we had about almost two hours worth of podcast to edit down to about an hour and 15 minutes. Rich's uh, audio was about three, had a three second delay, which made it for some fascinating conversation of people talking over the top of each other and very delayed reactions. And at one point, Mal had to go to the toilet for about 15 minutes. <laughs> Or maybe less. Maybe I'm exaggerating. I don't want to make it sound like you've got a problem. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I'm actually really happy with the way the episode came out. I shouldn't complain. It was very funny. Rich is a treasure, for sure. Yeah, it did work out fairly well in the end. Part of the problem was, yeah, because I had been at the pub all day, I wasn't probably uh, my sharpest with uh, keeping on track of what was going on. But also, I kind of did a, a brief rundown of what was going to be in the show with Rolf and Rich before we started, just so they kind of knew what was happening. And then when we sort of came around to doing it, I couldn't remember what I just told them was going to be in it and what we'd actually already covered. So I was like, I'll just do it again. It's going to be fine. And plus, I mean, like at least for editing, when Rich and Rolf are involved, there's so much unusable content straight away <laughs> yes. that you know you're going to... Like, I knew I had to overshoot by at least 15 or 20 minutes because there's going to be a lot of stuff you can't use, but we probably overshot by... <laughs> overshooting by, by basically double was probably a little excessive, but that's okay. <laughs> but I have to say, Richard's accent, it was a good mix, bit of a mix-up for the podcast. And uh, But he's, he's not our first true international guest. He's, he's represented... Australia. We do actually have our first ever international guest, uh, international superstar, who's going to be joining us for the uh, podcast today. You may possibly know him from the um, the United States men's national football team. He uh, may have competed at the 2019 World Champs, or probably more likely, you might know him as the inaugural winner of the Find the Fistball competition on the uh, FIFA Facebook page. Welcome, Corey Dunn. I'm still waiting for my prize. Did it ship yet? Did we promise one? Yeah, with with COVID, you know, shipping's been notoriously slow. Uh, I, I I must actually send something out to you at some point. I'll get your I'll get your details and um I'll I can send you out a a FIFA face mask and some other stuff. I remember I remember when you guys started that. I you know it was like peak boredom. You know, obviously we were scared and, and everything, but it was it was you know the boredom was really setting in and I was like, "Oh my god, this is the thing. This is the thing I can do every morning." And I got I swear I swear I didn't cheat. I swear. <laughs> Cuz I could I could have very easily looked up the photos and you know, I'm sure they were somewhere. So I was going to say I remember getting to the end of the tournament and um it ended up being what there was like there was a runoff, right? Yeah, well it was like it was like a three-way tie between you and, and 
two other guys and I was like, oh, I really don't want to keep this thing going too much longer. I sort of was totally over it by that point. <laughs> so I was trying to like get through it really quickly. But then with the time difference, I'd like post the thing up and like the other two guys would click their like straight away and I'd have to wait 14 hours for you to click yours and then you'd all pick the same and I'd be like, oh, God, it's still a tie. I'll start again. And, uh, but yeah, we got there eventually. The check's in the mail, right? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, one of the uh, one of the interesting elements, obviously, is having this interview with Corey is that he's based in the United States. So the time zone is a little bit different to what we've had previously. And to, to fit into each other's schedules, we're actually recording a, a morning podcast, which is very unusual for Mal and I. Obviously, it will, it will affect our drinks that we are going to, well, maybe it will affect our <laughs> drinks that we're going to present. <laughs> Perhaps not. And obviously, we had a few more podcast hurdles we hadn't, haven't, haven't had to deal with in the past, which was, for me, obviously, the children are up and about. And uh, the builders next door, decided to work on the next door neighbor's ensuite today uh, which is fantastic so I've actually relocated my entire study into the bedroom <laughs> just to get away from that which is great my um my partner has taken my kids off to see my mum who they haven't seen since March I think and I was like yeah I actually can't come I've got to do a podcast <laughs> so um, I don't <laughs> think I'm going to be winning father of the year this year <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I'm a pretty terrible dad at the best of times, but today especially, I am not in the good books. But Well, that's what fist, that's what fistball does, you know, it, it tears you away from the most important people in your life. That's right. It does. And, it, and it brings brings you together with a bunch of lowlifes. And we love it. <laughs> the fistball family, I believe you're referring to. Yeah, 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 yeah. International friendship is important, though. Well, that's what they say, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Well, with the fistball family, you can. We, we choose this dysfunctional riffraff. You can choose your fisters. You definitely can. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I'm I'm so excited. I had a long day at work, but I'm I'm re-energized now. So I know you guys are waking up, and I'm feeling good. Fist. We should segue into the next standard segment, which is uh, what are we drinking on this fine podcast? If you like us, isn't that what beers are we drinking? It's it's. I'm pretty sure it's what beers are we drinking. If I'm reading. generally, it's what what beers are we drinking? Um, although Richard did throw in a bit of a spanner in the works last week by pulling out a got in a can, which was Buckfast. Oh. <laughs> but I um, I mean, I'm happy to start this time around today. I guess I'm I'm not drinking a beer today. I'm actually drinking a bit of a cocktail. It's mm. uh, basically uh, I mixed together a few things. I put in a bit of a Makona freeze dried um, hazelnut instant coffee uh, and then I top it up with some some very high-end expertly boiled water Um, (laughs) and then you know just to give a bit of a creamy texture I add a dash of milk so that's my uh, my cocktail I don't have a name for it but uh, I'm gonna drink it anyway cheers cheers oh Milne 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 if Greg Huppatz was here right now he would be giving you the dressing down to end all dressing downs I can't remember the exact the exact uh, thing he said to you in Argentina but it was calling you a what was it an inner city latte sipping I can't remember it went on for on and on and on but he would be he would be very unimpressed right now uh well do you want to go Corey have you got a drink tonight oh yeah well I mean you know, as someone who doesn't know a lot about Australia, I brought out oh, <laughs> Foster's. Gorgeous. Nice. And I have, I have, I know, you know, I know it's not a real Australian beer. I mean, it is Australian, right? Originally. But people don't care about it, do they? I, no. I don't think it's made in Australia anymore. I think it was a long time ago. I think it's made in the UK now somewhere, but yeah. Like you can't even, you can't even find it in Australia, right? No, nah, it's, you can't, it's very hard to get. Well, you know, Americans, we love stereotypes. So I had to, I had to go for the Foster's. <laughs> especially the big one. But it, it was a funny story. I, I had to go to two different stores to find it. And then I came home late and my girlfriend, she's, she's mad at me because she wanted to hang out and watch some TV before I 
do the podcast. <laughs> right. so. You're in the bad books. <laughs> but when she saw the Fosters, obviously her eyes lit up and went, oh, I understand. It, it just, you know, it smooths everything over. Like it always does. So. <laughs> what, what kind of sound do we get from that thing? I, I want to hear I want to hear a Fosters. Let's see it. All right, ready? I'm trying not to spill over my computer. Oh, wow. nice. Mm. It did sound very Australian. <laughs> we got a little, mm. a little sip in there as well. And a swirl in the mouth. <laughs> I got some popcorn in the back of my teeth, so, you know, beer <laughs> beer helps get it out. That'll help. Uh, now? Uh, yeah, I, I thought about a few different options. I, I was going to maybe try and stick with the theme and try and get a really a classy American beer, like a like a Pabst Blue Ribbon, because mm. I'm white trash and I'm in trouble. <laughs> um, and they do actually sell them at the, the bottle shop near my house, but I forgot about it and I'm too lazy to walk the 300 meters up there to get some this morning uh, the other one I did try and get given where I'm doing a morning podcast is I was trying to source some um, pirate life breakfast imperial stout which is like a nice little 11 percent uh, 500 mil can but I couldn't get any uh couldn't get any in good in morning in, in time so so I've gone for um just what I had one that I had in the um in the beer fridge which is from my company it's a little creatures um, coconut banger milk coconut stout which is a lovely little breakfast ale Ooh. I do drink this one early in the morning quite a lot to clarify that I, I work shift work so I do finish work at 6 a.m and drink beer <laughs> more often than I probably should yeah and I do find stouts particularly in winter time on the cold mornings it, it's quite good oh my god it's winter it's winter by you guys too right uh, yeah we're coming out of winter we're into into spring now but yeah it's actually pretty nice um the most notable thing I have this which you know, I'll show to the camera that no one else will see is that little sticker there that says contains lactose from milk uh, and the most important thing about that is that the when we pack this beer uh, some genius in our marketing department didn't think to mention that a milk stout might contain lactose as an allergen and so we had to individually put little stickers on 55,000 cans of this milk coconut stout it took us about three weeks or something so it was a labor of love but um, that's why they pay you the big bucks though right you know? that's it so so let's see what we get um ooh, very nice and now I'm gonna pour this into a um, into a plastic cup held by a, a USA Fistball Association. Do you call these, what do you call these, beer koozies or something, is it, Corey? Co- yeah, co- cozies, koozies, koozies. Yeah. But they're they're a weird shape, though, because they're made for, it's made for a plastic cup. I, it took me a while to figure this out when I got it. It's like, it doesn't fit a can in it properly. I don't understand what they do. And then I realized that you put a plastic cup inside it. Made in China, probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> But the other benefit for you, Milne, is that with the, the plastic cup and the koozie, it won't make a loud banging noise every time I put it back down on the table like it does with my usual big beer stein that I drink from. So that'll be nice for you on the at the editing booth. I appreciate that. Actually, I should point out, I just realized the uh, coffee mug that I'm using, you probably can't, I don't even know if you guys can see it. Ah. But uh, this is the... The Fistroy Lions. This is a Fistroy Lions mug. Oh, there I am. beautiful. This is from the very first Fistivus that we ever had. Ah. And it's just littered with guys that don't play fistball anymore. Oh. We've got Andrew Gold there. Diving McDive Fist. Diving McDive Fist. Uh, we got Bryce there on the Fistroy Lions team, which will make him spit out whatever he's drinking right now in disgust. Jimmy and, uh, and Kent, of course. Ah, Kent. Kent. Yeah, this is a this is a piece of history here. Kent, if you're listening, where'd you go, Kent? What's your excuse? <laughs> Even Corey's asking, yeah. where'd you go, Kent? That's the, the the question we've been asking for about five years now. Anyway, lost to the sport. Let's not go there. Let's <laughs> that, that, let's put that. Let's throw that one in with the the Covo conversation. The sort of the Voldemort sort of he who shall not be named. Fist. Boy. So we'll we'll move on. Um, we're actually recording this podcast about 10 days before it gets released, so there's probably very little point in going into any um, timely news. But if, if, if anything has happened in the last 10 days, 
in regards to the fistball world, something mammoth has happened. Uh, just note that we're not ignoring it. Uh, we recorded it before it happened. However, I do have some news just recently um, from uh, our star uh, Wombat player, uh, John Yore, based out of Sydney. He was uh, speaking to him recently and he told me that he's been uh, recruiting some players up in Sydney. Oh, nice. Mostly volleyball players that he's been um, playing with. Younger guys as well, which could uh, help with our demographic amazingly. Just one guy below the age of uh, 22 would probably cut about five years off our average age, which is great, but that's not even the bigger news. <laughs> the bigger news is that John is actually, on Monday, is heading to Pyeongchang, uh, which was the, where the last Winter Olympics were held. And he's going to be there until April. And he's going to be there on a short-term contract doing skeleton in the hope of uh, qualifying for the 2022 Winter Olympics. Olympics. Oh my oh, god! Like Lou, the is that which one's that one? Is it like and I know it's the, the, they're all different. Head first, oh, yeah, yeah, head first. So uh, continuing to overachieve, wow. Mr. John Yor. He's going to be um, hopefully uh, representing Malaysia is the plan for those Olympics. And then yeah, his original goal was 2026, but now 2022 has come into play, and he's going to he's going to give it a good crack. So, but he's still he's still committed to fistball. He uh, promised me that. Um, well, I think he's still committed to just trying to compete in as many international sports as possible, isn't he? Maybe we should put him onto the kabaddi team. <laughs> he's probably one of the few guys that would pass the drug test for kabaddi. That um... do you remember John Yor, Corey? Oh yeah, yeah. You you can't forget those thighs, you know. I mean, yeah, Quadzilla. But don't forget about the hair, the hair too. I yeah. mean, it's like it was. I remember it was just. Yeah. You know, I can I can't imagine getting you know, whatever comb whatever comb he uses. You know, I want to try to. I'll, I'll ask him. You should, you should ask him know, definitely. Well, I'll ask him. It'd be, it'd be helpful. But that's it's that's awesome, and that's and that's that's you know that's all it takes. You know, is like. You know, you guys discovered the sport and you were like, ah, let's kind of go for it. Yeah, that's a fun thing, you know, whatever. Have fun. And then, you know, somebody else discovers it through you guys and, and that's how it goes, you know? And the best thing and you is... you got Olympians on your team. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. The best thing <laughs> is if he does make the team, we can say, oh, yeah, we've got an Olympian in our team. You know? <laughs> I think the Polish can claim that, right? Because a couple of them played uh, Polish volleyball in the Olympics. So, so we'll have our own. Yeah, 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 yeah. My question is, what do you call... Because fistball's in the World Games. What do you call a World Games in... Oh, that's good question a worldy it doesn't really roll off the tongue as well does it <laughs> a worldy gamer a worldy gamer uh any other news now that you know of? um nothing yeah nothing fistball specific i mean i think the biggest news world news going on at the moment is that donald trump's got coronavirus so it'll be interesting to see if he's still alive in 10 days when this podcast actually gets published that'll probably determine whether or not that sound bite gets cut <laughs> it was an interesting day to say the least guys it was a very interesting day yeah i mean that was actually one thing i did just want to talk about with you briefly Corey, on this show is what's it been like in america the last 12 months or so like we we all oh, we i guess we see everything on the tv and i mean it's it's been pretty interesting times over there you've you've had um covid19 that's disrupted everything all worldwide you've had circular trump which is just seems to go on and on. And then uh, obviously the Black Lives Matter stuff that's happening over there. It must be a pretty interesting time to, to be an Americano. Yeah, yeah. And so I live, I live pretty close to New York City, but, you know, kind of suburb outside of it. So I'm close, but I'm, I'm relatively removed from it. Um, and I, I actually, I was living in New York City just about two years ago and I moved out to New Jersey with my girlfriend a little bit ago. So I, I'm just like, I'm, when, when things started happening and, and picking up with COVID, I was just like, wow, like, I can't imagine a place that I don't, don't want to be more than New York City because 
literally crowded spaces with everybody. There's there's no space. There's nothing. And 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 all the things that you know make a city great. You know, bars, restaurants, movies, um, art galleries, anything. You know, concerts, stuff like that. All gone. You know, completely, completely gone. And I and I'm a pretty outdoorsy person, but obviously I like doing a lot. Of, you know, a lot of different things. But yeah, it was it was crushing on a person. You know, personally. And then my work is you know, it's totally shut down for six months. Only about two months ago that I actually start working again. Um, I work on on film sets and I'm, I'm a lighting technician on, on film sets. So yeah, not there was nothing, nothing because my work also you're in confined spaces for you know minimum twelve hours. Twelve hours is usually a day, ten to twelve hours. You know, twelve. You know, if you're lucky. So it was you know it was pretty shocking, really challenging, really really challenging. But ugh, with every everything going on, it's overwhelming, and you just try to focus on the the good things and the positive things that you have. And we started doing a lot of um, Zoom chats with a bunch of the fistball guys, you know, from all over the states. You know, between our guys in Wisconsin and and my club in New Jersey, we have a lot of like younger guys who are kind of in college. So we were. Did some chats with them, tried to bring them into the fold because they're, you know, they're so important and, and we have some really committed guys on that end. Um, so it's just fun, you know, it's just fun to hang out with, with guys that usually we look forward to seeing and, and spending a lot of time with playing fistball throughout the year. And there's no other words. It's, it's, it's challenging. And, and uh, without going into too far of detail, you know, the leadership is just totally <laughs> lacking and, you know, generally, generally not caring about anybody. Yeah. <laughs> In my mind. That's, that's the vibe we're getting. <laughs> it's almost like you've got a celebrity businessman running the place instead of a, like someone who actually knows what they're doing. But, yeah. 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 So we got about a month towards the, to the next election. So yeah. we'll see. The next month it's going to be absolutely bonkers. Especially with the, with today's news. We'll see. Yes. I actually work at a VFX studio in Adelaide. And um, so we're experiencing the exact same thing, except we're waiting for you guys to be able to film your movies so that we can actually then do some VFX on them. (laughs) So we can't work on anything right now. It's frustrating. That's so... (laughs) It's all connected. That's so funny. Yeah, it's funny. There's going to be such a gap between all movies and TV shows. Yeah. 2022 is going to be the... No, 2021, sorry. It's probably going to be the biggest movie release year of all time, right? Or twenty, maybe even twenty twenty two, if it all gets pushed. I, I heard that the uh, the new James Bond movie got pushed now to um, April next year. I think so. Yeah. It's going to be this period where it's just going to be a blockbuster every single week yeah. for like yeah. twelve months. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, and everything I've heard about um, all these bigger film sets going up is it's just like everything, every such everything is so much more complicated because you know you're shooting James Bond, Daniel Craig gets sick, you're done. Yep, you're done. You can't. Yeah, I mean, you can shoot all the shots without him. <laughs> but anyone who anyone who works in production and, you know, you shoot scenes one direction with the two characters, it's a pain in the ass to recreate it the other way. I think they did I think they did that with uh with the Heath Ledger movie um after he after he died and they did, and I think they just ended up saying F- it and filmed the scene with they filmed it with two other actors instead. Oh, sorry, should I swear on this? I shouldn't swear on this podcast. Ah, don't worry about it. <laughs> Can you please bleep it out? <laughs> Just bleep it out. I, I really like bleeps. I really miss in uh, in like the reality shows where they would put the black bars over the people's eyes. Do you remember that period of time? Period? <laughs> Why were they doing that? <laughs> Because now, now they blur the faces, but I liked it back right away. It was just like the black bar over the eyes. I remember it like like on the Osbournes or something like that. Oh, just when random people were in the show, you mean, that hadn't signed off on the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Someone who hadn't signed a waiver. 
I do wonder if I had a black bar in front of my eyes whether I'd be completely unrecognisable. I feel like I wouldn't be. It is amazing how much sunglasses make a difference, though. Like, when you you look at someone and they're wearing sunglasses and, you, and like they take them off and you're like, oh, that's not the head that I expected to see underneath those glasses, even though I can see 80% of it. <laughs> anyway, this is riveting fistball talk. <laughs> So we should probably move on to the interview portion of this podcast. It's the it's the part that everyone's tuned in for upon seeing Corey Corey Dan's images on the. Uh, it is Dan, right? I'm saying that right. Yeah, like Dan, like ah, like Dan. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> no, you did. You did well. <laughs> that will be a pun in the uh, in the title of the episode. I promise you that much. Yeah, I was going to say not not to not to give too much <laughs> away, but there's going to be a darn pun in there somewhere. So yeah, well, obviously we have a few questions for Corey, mainly to get some insight into to your history in fistball and also US fistball as well in general, because we here in Australia we don't have a great idea of how you guys operate. You know, we we know bits and pieces, but we don't really know how you guys. Um, you know, how you raise funds, how you guys are organized, you know, across the different leagues and so on. Um, but before we get into any of that, let's just start with you, Corey. How, how did you get into fistball? What drew you to it? So, I mean, I didn't, I didn't really have a choice. It was, is, is a family thing, really. And uh, there's, there's not that many uh, folks in the U.S. that sort of grew up playing fistball as, as a kid. I think there's only, there's only, I think, a couple other folks um, out east and then in Wisconsin who really grew up around it and, and played it as a kid growing up. I mean, I can, I've played it as long as I can remember. Um, so I come, I, yeah, I come from a fistball family, as you could say. So my dad was, was really involved in fistball. You know, he, he was a really good player. He was a striker. And then his dad was very involved as well. And so it kind of, it kind of goes back quite a bit. So where to start? I mean, so his family was a member of a German club in outside of uh, Philadelphia in Pennsylvania. Um, you guys know Philadelphia, right? Yeah. Liberty Bell, 76ers. That's where, um, that's where the, fresh, the Fresh Prince was born and raised. Yes. In the playground was where he spent most of his days. Same with my dad, but it was the fistball field he would spend most of his days. And <laughs> so it was, it's uh, these, these like German clubs that, you know, when people would immigrate over, Philadelphia has a pretty big, had a big immigrant uh, German population. So if you've been, you've been to Germany a couple of times, you know, they have these sport clubs kind of everywhere, you know, all these little towns, they have these clubs where you hang out, you play your sports, you drink beer, you have food and it's like, you know, social club, but with sports and stuff like that. So I think it was, those started popping up in the US from immigrants in like maybe the 1920s. I think there were three kind of big clubs that were involved in fistball from the early days. So my dad was a member of one of those clubs called uh, Vereinigung Erzgeberg, which I have trouble saying, but they're from the Erzgeberg region in Germany. So, but they would be called VE for short. So VE was the name of the club. Um, and the club still exists. Um, they no longer play fistball, unfortunately. That's another story to tell. But they still exist. And so he was a member of it as a kid. He grew up playing fistball as well. I don't believe my grandfather did, but they were very, very close to that club. They would spend a lot of time out there. So he would play soccer and, and, and fistball there. So he's, it's such a long story. Anyway, long story, long story short, his work took him closer to... New Jersey, like north, like closer to New York City kind of area, and their interest in fistball kind of waned. Some disagreements. We, you know, we'll, we'll bring him on next time. He'll, yeah, he'll tell you yeah, the yeah. story. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds juicy. Um, it's a little. It's a little bit juicy. It gets a little spicy. But uh, 
So he joined another club called the Swim and Sport Club of uh, Flanders, which is the club that I'm currently a member of, of. So I've been a member of that club my whole life. Um, so he joined that club. He was a little bit older at that point, um, but always wanted to keep playing fistball and, and wanted me and my brother to keep playing fistball. So it was just, you know, and, and he had this connection to it. You know, it wasn't like any other sport, you know, and even back then, fewer people knew about it. It, it was not, you know, as, as widespread as we're trying to to do it. It was it was kind of the thing that the German immigrants did. It didn't really it didn't really find its way outside of the clubs in in a way that other sports would. So yes, yeah, were they? Sorry, just to interrupt. Were they, do you know were they already were they already playing fistball at, at SSC in Flanders when when your dad and your grandfather went there? Or yes, yeah. yes, yes. So they they were started playing around the same time, and I don't know the exact story of how the clubs originally found each other. But my, my guess is it's just like the German immigrants, they they found each other somehow, just some sort of German connection. And, and you know, New Jersey, out you know, North Jersey and Philadelphia, it's only about an hour and a half, maybe two hour drive when, you know, in the in the old horse and buggies that they were riding back and forth. So and, and I know that that the um, it's called it's called the Eastern Fistball Association, the EFA was formed in 1948. And that was between two clubs in the Philadelphia in the Philadelphia area. One of which was my dad's club. One of which is a Phoenix Sport Club, which still plays fistball. Um, and then the third was uh, the Swim and Sport Club. And there were actually others in in the surrounding areas, but those were kind of the three big ones um, that kind of stuck with it for a while. But yeah, I have I have a whole historical project that I'm working on to find out more information about these other clubs. Um, there was one club called Camp Elsinore, which was this like I think it was like a real like hippie kind of place. But again, I haven't spoke to anyone who actually uh, has been there, but. That was, that wasn't far, but they, they their club kind of got torched when uh, an interstate highway was, was ah. kind of put through unceremoniously through their club. Uh, so it's one of those kind of things. So to answer your question in a really long way, it's 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 just something I've always been doing and never really thought twice about it until I got older. I guess. I think if anyone's seen the movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit, you'll know that building interstates is is a horrible thing that causes a lot of a lot of concern for, for mm-hmm. everyone. So I can understand their the, it destroys the, fistball. I can understand the plight of of that club. It is interesting um, that fistball is almost being kept alive to some degree by children of current players continuing to play because you know it seems like the same thing across all of the European countries, even in Brazil you know, and Chile. Talking to one of the Chile guys at the end of the last World Champs, and he said their player base is comparable to Australia's player base, but it's all almost like three families that mm-hmm. all play it, and that's it. And they're, they're really good at fistball, obviously, but without that, you wonder if fistball would have died. But at the same time, it's probably also restricted it a little bit as far as that yeah. desire to spread it out outside of the German community and the families and try to get more people involved, right? If it becomes like a very niche friend uh, family thing that you you know you do together. Yeah, yeah, it's important to kind of like not hold on to it too tightly you know you kind of have to let it you have to let it go and and, and grow in its own way and it, it's i mean it's it's the right decision it's better and you know in, in the past you know maybe three or four years where we've gotten a good a you know a larger group of you know players younger players to our club it's amazing it's it's wonderful and and even this year you know with with covid and everything and practicing in, in small groups and and doing kind of limited stuff and not really having tournaments in the way that we usually do it, it's still been it's still been great just to just to continue it and 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 play with guys who are you know like close to 10 years younger than me yeah and and, and still 
you know, kind of, and keep it going and, and see how they get excited in, in it. Yeah. But I think it's been a bit like that all over the, like even in Europe, like a lot of the other countries that play, you kind of look at outside the sort of the big sort of three of Germany, Austria, Switzerland, you're like, oh, you know, but yeah, they play in Italy and they play in yeah. in uh, Denmark and these places. But then if you actually look at it, it's actually only really because of where boundaries have been redrawn after after wars and stuff. It's yeah. like where they play in, in bowls and in Italy, they're German speaking Italians and it was part of Germany that kind of got annexed. And yeah. same as in Denmark. Denmark, they're Danish, they're German-speaking Danes, sort of, and they're they're kind of a German minority that plays in this little area. And I sort of keep an eye on some of their Facebook stuff. Like they're sort of they're still now really trying to keep it going in this the kind of German minority, and then now trying to expand it out into the the rest of the Denmark. But it's yeah, it's just this sort of hidden little sport. And Namibia is an obvious one as well. Like no, that pretty much they play it anywhere else in Africa, and except for this little German community in Namibia that keeps it going. You know, keeps Africa involved. Yeah, it's always good if you. I've, I've done it. I've showed a couple of people. But if you, if you Google an image of the Namibian football team and Google an image of the Namibian fistball team and show them <laughs> side by side, there's some there's some slight differences in the um in, in the in the players that yeah, um, short sleeves versus long sleeves. I'm assuming you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and again, you know, South America, like the fact that it's you know why it's big in South America is because uh, you know after the World War Two and obviously German people were fairly unpopular around the globe. Mm-hmm. South America was the one part of the world that wasn't really involved and so there was a huge influx of Germans that moved out to South America because it was kind of one of the places that they were sort of more accepted and that's where these these clubs have sprung up from but it's interesting too like I know yeah as you said in America where these these German sport clubs that popped up that kind of kept the sport going like I want I sort of wonder why in Australia that didn't seem to happen like we we have these little German towns like there's Handorf just outside Adelaide and there's oh, really there's a few other places around and I wonder whether or not fistball there was ever maybe it was played there for a little bit at some point but maybe it just never you know never sort of kicked on and it just disappeared for a for a while until a bunch of morons like us found it and started it again or don't know that's that's the biggest mystery for me that i think is so interesting is is what were the what were the areas that played it that we don't know about at all like the places that didn't have contact with germany like I know, I know, like Brazil, Argentina, and Chile generally had pretty good contact with where the places they immigrated from because you know they all you know participated in the early world championships and, and stuff like that. I mean, people didn't know fistball was played in the U.S. until like what the '90s. Got to ask Roger Willen. I mean, he was the guy. But yeah, it's it's so interesting. And 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 there were also club. There was a club um, in the Chicago area as well um, who played. And 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 I think you guys know about the club in uh, in Winni- Winnipeg, the Manitoba Fistball Association. Yeah. Um, which I I actually have a document. I have a document from them, and I, I actually found some news clippings uh, on the internet uh, where they actually had an indoor tournament that a Wisconsin team played in it was then this was like like 1971 or 1970 something like that but i'm 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 pretty certain that the the organization kind of fell apart in the, in the 70s but I would love to. I would love to find somebody who at least knew a little bit about that because I think it was so interesting. Yeah, that it was there and and then went away. So it, it, there's all these like little things um, that fistball. It's like it's just why was it? Why is it so small? Why was it so small? Yeah, and why didn't it just get out there? Why didn't people just see it and and just say and the lights going on went on and they said okay let's play this is great I don't care if, what if it's German yeah I don't, I don't care yeah it feels like a it feels like a real crapshoot anytime I meet. A German person and I bring up fistball and then I tried to right? try to crudely translate it 
to Faust Ball or whatever, and they will just look like I reckon ninety five percent of the time the German person will look at me just with this blank look on their face, like I have no idea what you're even trying to say, and I'll, I'll show them and they'll go. Never heard of it. It's, it's interesting. Like, I, it would have been amazing if, like, we started this now and then I went back to South Australia and just, like, went up to Handorf and just noticed a fistball sign somewhere. Just realized that they've been playing in Handorf the whole time. That would have been incredible because it's up in the hills here. It's this beautiful little area uh, with a lot of German pubs and everything. It would have been incredible if there was just a fistball field just sitting there, you know, <laughs> slightly overgrown that I could just go out there and, and, and mow the lawn and start playing fistball in the hills. It would be incredible. You get, you guys got to go out there and do a little, uh, do a little of event there you know do a little yeah. dress up say yep. learn some german and teach fistball and dress in funny outfits i haven't been to handorf since i was about five years old just to clarify but i the only thing i remember was that there was this model train thing as my dad was obsessed with trains and i remember going there and it's you know i don't know if either of you've ever been to um miniature wunderland in Ham- in hamburg it's it's the greatest place on earth it literally is and it's probably absolutely crap but i, I remember it from when i was a kid being amazing but the little model train place in in handorf it's probably miniature miniature wunderland I, i'm sure is is just as good that sounds like Lee Maroney's just heaven. That that boy is obsessed with trains. Oh, sounds perfect. Oh yeah, he'd be he'd be he'd be right up that alley. <laughs> Driving through Switzerland every time we, there was a train, yeah, we had to basically stop so that Lee could get out the camera and film it. <laughs> He's a strange cat. You gotta love him. <laughs> he did a great um, sort of video montage. The, as the thing in Australia is, is Australia is a massive country with not many people in it. It's mm-hmm. not. It's pretty similar size to the USA, but with about a tenth of the population. And we basically have about half a dozen fairly large cities that are all about you know ten hours by car apart from each other or more. Gotcha. Like four corners of. Yeah, it's pretty much. Ish. There's like there's there's three big cities on the east coast. There's one big city on the west coast. There's South Australia's kind of in the middle down. The, uh, Adelaide's sort of in the middle down the bottom, and then there's not much else in in the in between. But we do have these sort of couple of famous train journeys that you can do. There's the Indian Pacific, which travels from the east coast to the west coast. Uh, there's the Garn that goes from south to north from Adelaide to Darwin and then there's another little train that goes from uh, Melbourne to Adelaide it's called the Overlander and and Lee did a did a trip on the Overlander a while ago and made this whole video montage and it was about the most excited I've ever seen him I think to go on this day-long train trip to Adelaide but um although we make it sound like he's an eight-year-old child <laughs> You're just so excited. We were talking one night, one time about we should try and do a um, all all do a, a trip on the the Indian Pacific, and because the Indian Pacific travels through Kalgoorlie, which is or Boulder, where my cousin Benny is, who's got the um, the West Australian fistball going. Which shout out to shout Benny. out to Benny. Had to had to sneak him in there somewhere. And we're like, yeah, we'll get on. The, yeah, we'll catch the Indian Pacific go across. And then we looked up. It was like, fuck, it's like three and a half grand to get on that train. I'm like, that ain't happening. It's not so, true. Yeah, we've probably gone off topic a little bit. Uh... I'm talking about trains now. <laughs> while we're while we're already while we're already off topic, if I can just continue on another off topic, I'm not sure if either of you are into to country music at all. <laughs> but there's a there's, there's a there's a very fairly well known country song. It was originally written by Chris Christopherson, but uh, it's been covered by a bunch of people. It's called um, "Sunday Morning Coming Down." And it's sort of about the morning after a big night out. But one of the, the best lines from it is, um, "The beer I had for breakfast wasn't bad, so I had one for." dessert and uh, so i'm just going to move on to my my dessert beer here which is uh, my my black forest cake stout and oh my god wow well i did finish my coffee so that's that's comparable right something <laughs> like that 
We'll move on anyway, though, Corey, because we are, I believe, interviewing you, not just talking about trains. Um, yeah, we'll keep we'll keep the train rolling, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see what you did there. Um, <laughs> the train going. <laughs> I did want to ask you though, like, um, what what have your highlights been so far in your football career? Obviously, you've been playing it since you were a kid, but what's what have been the uh, absolute highlights so far? Other than winning the find the fistball competition, oh obviously, God, which is yeah. the which is the pinnacle, and you'll probably never match that. But other than that, I mean, that takes yeah, I mean that that takes the top five slots immediately. <laughs> just just that. five of your correct guesses. <laughs> the sudden the sudden the sudden death, the, the discovery, the sudden death. You know, thinking I missed a, I missed a day, but I didn't. And, uh, roller coaster ride. Highlight. I mean, highlights. For me, it's like, so the, the way that the Eastern Fistball Association operated and, and had always op- basically always operated was logistically, it made sense just to have kind of three major tournaments um, in the summer between all these clubs in, you know, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, kind of tri-state, northeast kind of area. And, and at this point, you know, this is in history, they didn't know about the players in Wisconsin. And, and back then, you know, you're so much less connected in 1970s, you know, 1980s. It's like that world just didn't really exist and, and travel was a bit bit more challenging. Um, so it's usually three tournaments per summer. So you have your June tournament, July, August between the three different clubs in the area. So for me, it's just, you know, it's always something I look forward, looked forward to in, in, in the summer. So to say that's a highlight is, is not really a, a good answer to your, your question, but it's just something I always look forward to. It's those kind of those big events where you just come together and just play a sport that, that I love playing. And this was even before I before I knew anything about IFA, German fistball, anything. Just just when it was the game that I that I played, you know, with my family, with my my fistball friends, you know, seeing the same faces every year. And I would see these people three times a year. That's that's it. And just recognize faces and have fun playing and, you know, I, I won't say I was particularly good <laughs> back then. I think you know where I am in terms of a player versus where I was like ten years ago. It's like the world's different, and and my and my life, you know, my life is completely different too. You know, partially because of because of fistball, which is pretty cool. Um, and I and I have you guys partially to thank for that, just because of you know you guys being a part of the whole kind of international movement and and it just just in the way of discovering something and and thinking it's really cool or fun or funny and 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 going for it. And I think that's that's so cool. So highlights for me, it's you know that that's my that's my big boring answer. But my 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 more specific answer, I mean, you know, I have to, it, it's definitely like just attending the the world championships and that was kind of i i missed out on making the team in 2015 when the, when the guys went to argentina mm-hmm. and at that point i was kind of just figuring out okay what's going on internationally what's going on in the u.s like how do i get to this point oh i think i'm pretty good oh no i'm, I'm actually garbage <laughs> no, that feeling <laughs> how do i get better <laughs> <laughs> how do I, how do I do this? I, I wasn't I was not really an an, an athlete like a, you know I wasn't really an athlete especially in high school I was drawn more to music and art and stuff like that and I still love doing that obviously but kind of lost that athletic portion and then making the team and, and going to that big world championship event and and seeing it and making friends and and just being in that environment was was huge but also also going to the Pan American Games in 2018. 
uh, down in, in Buenos Aires. That was a huge, huge event um, for us. And I mean, we only had five guys for this four day tournament. So we were toasted by the end of it. But it was, <laughs> it was like, oh, it was so much fun. And I, and I did a trip. That was with the club as well, right? Yeah. So it was, it was a one day national team tournament and then uh, three days with the, with the club. But we basically had the same five guys the whole time. So it wasn't much of a difference. Uh, which which club was it though? Did you did you play for SSC or was it yes. WFA? No, no, so yes. You, you rang a few of the- so it was it was SSC because the previous year we had won the USA Championships, which was kind of it was kind of the first year where it was the like official USA Championships in a way. And 2018 we also went to Germany in April and did the IFA World Tour Final, which was yeah. the first version of that thing. So. God, it's like you can't you can't pick one. It's kind of it's kind of the whole blast of going to these major events after after kind of not even knowing what was going on. To get, to give a single answer, that's it's everything. Nice one. <laughs> I do I do have one little tidbit to add into this actually. You sort of mentioned before about the, uh, the Australians and us sort of finding as well. I'm not sure if you know this or not. I just literally discovered this an hour by accident, an hour before we came on here tonight. Did you know that you were actually one of the very first connections? between Australian fistball and US fistball. When? So the very first time an Australian fistballer ever played or met or did anything with an ah, American fistballer yes. was when our boy Laurie, Laurie. Fistburn Young was went over and played in the tournament in Yona and he played for your team SSC and filled in at that Yona tournament back in 2014. He was our uh, yes. he was our international fistball liaison was I think the, uh, the title we'd given to him which essentially I, I think he actually just wanted to know about fistball so he could use it to try and help him meet girls while he was over in uh, Switzerland. But we we won't get too far into that. That doesn't sound at all like something Laurie would do. Well, he carried the team the whole time. He was an all-star. Yeah, well, we were kind of talking about it and he was... <laughs> He was sort of mentioned something about that he was thinks that he thought he might have been the first one to have a connection with with the Americans, and I was like, oh yeah, maybe. And I was looking back at what yeah you know, what happened first at our old photos, and yeah, the photo of Laurie playing in there, and I was like, hey, there's Corey. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was nice. that, was, that, that was twenty yeah that was twenty fourteen because I had, I had just graduated college, and then my brother and I, who was the other guy who kind of looks like me in the in that photo, um, we were doing like a whole Euro trip around, you know, just bopping around Europe and. Again, at that point, I didn't really know that much about fistball, but they were like, oh, yeah, you own a tournament. We're going to go to you own a tournament. And I was like, okay, you own a tournament. And I show up and I'm like, holy shit, Yona tournament. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> this is huge. <laughs> and this is, and this was the, and, and we're playing in the lowest category. It's my dad, uh, two of the older guys who are, who are on the team who are, you know, everyone's good. We're all good, decent, good players, you know. And my brother and myself, who are the, like the young guys, and then we had Laurie as our six, who kind of threw him in. I can't remember how that connection was made. I, I don't think I was the one who made it. I think Bob, Bob was the one who made it, our president. Um, you guys, I think you guys know Bob. Yeah, we know Bob. But you know Bob. Everyone knows Bob. <laughs> and uh, and we get there, and it's like, well, first of all, we had never played in the rain before, really. So that was that was a bit. It was a rough day. It was a very rough day. <laughs> I just remember playing against one. I think it was like a Stutt, uh, one Stuttgart team, and it was like their it was like their friggin' youth sixteen team, and we just got thrashed, <laughs> just thrashed by them. Didn't know how to defend the ball in the rain yeah. at all, yeah. and it was cold, and we're like, "What is this?" <laughs> and I and I remember I like I, I very sporadically write in a journal. But I wrote like a, at the hotel that night. I just like wrote out all my frustrations, and, and I, that was that was a really big moment. I was yeah. like, 
fuck, I hate, I hate being, I hate this. I love this sport. I want to get better. That yeah. was kind of the big thing from Yona. And, and obviously we had a great time at the, at the party yep. uh, on Saturday night. It was, yeah, it that was, was pretty awesome. much what, um, that was pretty much a Laurie, Laurie's report. It was, he said, uh, he goes, yeah, he's like, I'd played about four hours of fistball in my life at that point. And ah. I wound up on this team of like half old American guys and a few young guys. And we played this team of 16 year old locals and got absolutely <laughs> smoked in the rain because none of us knew what to do. And we're at, yeah. And, and certainly the Yona tournament is, yeah, like that. I met you for the first time at the Yona tournament yeah. last year. I went over a, a, a little bit earlier and, it, and it's something else. It's an amazing it's it's so good like i just i desperately want to go back and play yona again it's awesome yeah no it's i mean that's like the that's the goal for anyone i think i think any in any national team you know even if you just have five guys you know just go out and do a trip to yona and and do that tournament it's that and that and that will hook i think that'll hook so many people yeah that's the tr- i would love to bring all my young guys out there and and be like hey let's let's just do this tournament and throw them into the fire and just it's it's amazing and you know this past year i was playing on a much better team i was much better myself and you know it's still fun it's perfect there <laughs> and you played so you played um with was it krems monster krems monster uh, yeah did you travel did you spend any time playing for them like in austria or did you just kind of hook up with them for that tournament no so so two so it was three of us who went a little bit early for the yona tournament there were a couple guys who came also early but not for the yona tournament um so it was me uh kyle edgemont and uh and eric kindler so kyle uh lives in philly he plays with phoenix sport club um outside of philly and then eric who lives outside of milwaukee plays for wisconsin fistball um I think we we just wanted to go early. We're we're also the the younger guys on the U.S. team. I think we were the we're the only players under thirty, uh, still still over twenty five, but under thirty. So you know, young ish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and Eric Eric had played a season with Kremsmunster, and they actually won the the Austrian title. Yeah. That year, congratulations, Eric. <laughs> and then Kyle went over. I think the year after, yeah. and and played with them. Uh, he didn't win, so sorry, Kyle. <laughs> sorry, um, Kyle. But I think they both had a good time. And yeah. so they knew the Krems Munster guys, so we got together with them, and, and they agreed to play with us. And and they're 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 badasses, man. They're they're so much fun. They were so much fun to play with. I, I really loved getting fired up with them. So, yeah, it's you know that it made me hungry to say, oh man, maybe I'll go overseas and play somewhere for a year. Yeah, try yeah. to figure that out. Well, I mean, Mal and I curse it all the time that we discovered this sport 15 years too late. Like if I had discovered this in my early 20s even if i was terrible at it i would have loved to just gone somewhere in europe play in their seventh division team and just be a a part of that culture yeah because like even particularly uh for us you know reason slightly smaller fistball nations is that our tournaments are usually pretty casual and the people organizing them a lot of the time the people either playing or just finished playing and then to go somewhere like, uh, you know, Winterthur or wherever, you know, where, or Yona, where it's like, you know, they've got this giant group of volunteers that are organizing all this stuff and it's all running to clockwork. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is like turn up to warm up and then turn up to play. It's just such a trip to be, because I mean, obviously Mal and I still play, um, both, I don't think either, either of us are playing the national team anymore, but it was, you know, always hard because we were also the chief organizers yeah. generally of a lot of these things so you're kind of wearing those two hats but as soon as you go to a tournament where you've got no involvement as far as organization it's just incredible to be a part of that and just to kind of go out there and play fistball purely as this you know as a participant yeah yeah Yeah, no i'm i'm I'm, yeah i'm sure i'm sure the you know the world championship for you guys was was so much fun just just getting to play so many games and 
a lot of the times against teams who you're like pretty close with in terms of you know in terms of competition level and that's like that's yep. that's all you can ask for right yeah it's definitely yeah. and i think as you're saying really like eric kindler and shout out to eric he's a he's a good guy we've yeah i've spent a fair bit of time with him traveling around a bit there in switzerland and he's almost the the embodiment of what we've missed in our fistball journey and that I think he's maybe 28 years old 27, 28 yeah. years old and he's played in four world championships you know he played his first one I think oh, yeah. a, a week a week before he turned 16 because yep. yep. you know yep. they're a bit short and I think he's, maybe his dad was coaching or playing whatever and they needed players and so yeah 15 year old Eric went and played in a world championship yep. Yep. and so now here he is 27, 28 years old he's played in four world championships and yet we were kind of like just yeah. discovering that this sport existed in our late twenties, you know, you're like, ah, oh, we missed. Like, imagine what could have been if we'd known about this earlier. And, yeah, it's yeah. tough. It's it's so it's it's painful because I and I know I know you guys are a bit older, but it, you know, I feel I feel a similar way where it's like I was like 21, 22, 23 when I sort of realized what was there in a way. I think I was just really stupid as a kid. I, I don't know. I was really stupid for a while. <laughs> I just, I, maybe, maybe, I just wasn't really aware of what was going on yeah. around me, maybe. Maybe that's a better word. Um, yeah. I guess until you experience it, you, it's like, yeah, you, you don't know what you've got that's going on. Like, you don't know yeah. what you don't know until you, you know. And that's and that's why I just want to try to throw all these all these young young people into the fire and just say, hey, here's what it is. Like, this, this is what it is. Here's what it is. And, and and then you either get the reaction, oh, I really like this, I want to go for it, or like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. I like lacrosse. With both of our associations, if we find young guys that love the sport, we can basically tell them this could be your team yeah. like going forward. Yeah. If you guys keep playing and keep training, this could be, you could play in the next four world championships as long as you stay ahead of whoever else comes on, you know, you could dominate. Yeah. I'd this. like to say, yeah, that I, that I think I've, I've compensated for not playing in that many world championships with with just all the different the different spots that I've been able to travel to and it's and it's not just world championships that you have to go to there's so many different club tournaments you can go to like we went to a club tournament in Berlin and I love Berlin it's an awesome city and it was just this it's called the wedding cup and it's this it's this just open air like public park tournament and it was like amazing It's, it's actually bigger than Yona in terms of number of teams there um, so we went there and, and, and played out there and, and then doing the World Tour final event and the Pan American Games. And, and even before the Pan American Games, I went to go play in, in Brazil with Novo Hamburgo and, and Sergipa and the guys down there. And the, the community is so welcoming that you can, if you were willing to throw yourself into the fire, like you can do it. So, you know, it's never, it's never too late. It's never too late. To, to do something to like to like be involved in in, in some way so yeah I hate I hate feeling like like I hate anyone feeling like they've missed out you know because you know not to continue this tangent too much but my dad definitely feels that way that you know he was kind of the top one of the top players on his club his club won just about 10 years in a row the whatever Eastern fistball title yep um, but he never got to play in the world championship right. because they didn't know about it at that point. And it's like, oh, you know, what could have been? What could have been? Yeah. And I'm just like, you know what, Dad? We're gonna we're gonna find the next over fifty five tournament, and you're gonna go there with with your guys, and yeah. you're gonna have a blast. And they actually they a bunch of the guys went to the masters tournament uh, in Yankee down in Chile. Oh, nice. um, I think it was 2017, something like that. And it's like, that's the best thing about fistball is, is you can just play it forever, yeah. you know? 
it's yeah, you're not you're not cast out once you turn forty, right? You can keep playing. No, no, people people are like, no, we need you. Yeah, <laughs> got to keep going. Over sixty, nope. Sorry, <laughs> got got to stay in shape. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose we'll talk just very specifically about one tournament. I just wanted to talk about the the 2019 World Champs, just on your experience there we'll do a little bit of a retrospective like how did you feel about the team's performance you know what were your highlights and lowlights yeah so you know for me personally it was a lot of just figuring out how to deal with the 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 bigger stage and the all the pressure associated with being on a national team like i said i'm i was never really much of like a, a big athlete i didn't really play high school sports i didn't really play college sports um i played fist ball but on kind of like a lower more casual level so going through like a transformation of trying to get better and trying to learn more about myself try to you know get my body in better shape just it just being there was kind of a big thing for me and dealing with that pressure I think that one of the bigger challenges for us as a national team is that we again we only have so many guys who who play fistball and really practice fistball on like a upper level you know there's maybe you know maybe there's like 13 14 guys and and that's being generous you know yep. so and and it's an awesome group I, I love the guys so much that i miss them so much i miss seeing all these guys i miss tra- traveling out to wisconsin to go to tournaments and and just getting that rush of of a, of a good competition i think for us it's like i i can't say i was disappointed with with our performance because there were so many like high moments. I think obviously we had higher expectations for ourselves, you know, thinking that we would at least match or or maybe bump up one place from where we were, but instead we actually dropped down two places. But you know, these those two the two matches where that happened, it's like you know, it, it's inches. Um, and and the impression of what I got even in 2015 talking to a lot of the guys is that it could have very well been that situation in those tournaments. Yeah. I know that there was a, a tight match between Namibia as well back then that we ended up winning, but it was like it was very very close. Yeah, that that game against Namibia at the 2019 one, either it been pouring with rain yeah. or it still was yeah. pouring with rain. It's like really tough conditions. I mean, was it was it fun to watch for you guys? I mean, I don't know. It was a thrilling game. <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> okay. Good. It's one of the games I definitely remember what like sitting there watching and thinking it was a cracker because of, yeah. Anytime you get that wet weather and change, so I think it was pouring down early and yeah. then and then the sun came out, out and sort of as the court was drying out, the game you had to kind of adjust to the court getting a bit more bounce and and that sort of thing and yeah, it was. A good game you guys unfortunately had a couple of heartbreaking losses oh there and um, you know it's yeah it's interesting because early on you guys look because you know we're keeping track of all the teams and how they're looking yeah. and early on the u.s team looked really good like we thought oh what well, they could cause some really big upsets here perhaps um you guys were just like seemed to be really clicking took a set off chile i think yeah 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 we played well against them yeah i mean there's I think it's in the games that you're playing against the teams that you know you're not going to beat. Like, you know, Brazil, I think our first game was against Brazil, and then we played against Switzerland, and those games we played really hard. I think it's I think it's when you're playing against the teams that you either think you should beat by a little bit, or the teams that you're like a little bit under, you're like, oh yeah, maybe we could squeak out a win against those guys. Yep. Those are way harder because there's so much more pressure. Yep. You have to not just tighten up, you have to like totally loosen and that that's probably the biggest thing i learned either both personally and from a team level on that tournament is just like you have to you have to like slow it down and 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 play your game in those moments yeah it's hard there's so much there's so much that i learned from that tournament 
both from like a personal expectations level and then, you know, just, you know, communicating with all these guys and, and, and figuring out, okay, what worked for us? What, what can we do better? What are we trying to do the next time we, we get together? And really the big talk that we're doing is saying, hey, let's just do more, more national team trips, like try to do something with our national team every year, even if, you know, we go to Yona every year or if we do a trip to South America every year. Again, you know, always hard to travel every year, you know, internationally and all that and find the time off work. Yeah. Um, but even if, you know, even if it's like five or six guys, you know, or we get seven guys or something like that, trying to trying to make that happen because, uh, yeah, I think everyone everyone was disappointed in, in, a, in a certain way because we wanted to be better. But, you know, it's it's. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything to say. It's just it's it is what it is. Um, yeah, one of the things that we've often I think talked a bit about is the way they structure the tournaments. And I sort of I get it from an IFA perspective as far as like they don't want to have heaps and heaps of really one-sided matches. And mm-hmm. I know from a you know it doesn't look great if you schedule a game between Australia and Germany. Yeah, and we get absolutely pantsed, and it, you know it's sort of like it's not great for viewers or whatever else. Mm-hmm. So they sort of have tried to schedule group it a bit. So you've got some of the newer nations sort of in together in one pool down the bottom. Yeah, and you guys sort of banging around for a while. You're like right at the bottom of the top tier, or not yeah. you know, sort of towards the bottom of it. So you're not you're not in the same level as the top four or five teams, and you're right around that next group. Worst of the best, best of the worst. <laughs> yeah. So but the problem is you get to the end of the tournament and you look at it and go, you know, USA finished. 10th out of 18 teams and you won one match for the tournament because or two mate I can't remember what it was but it's because you only play against the other really good teams yeah 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 yet we finished the 15th out of 18th and we or something like that and we and we won two games and I, I can't yeah so I get it but it's good and bad in the same way that like one of the greatest memories I have of my fondest things of football is when we in Argentina when we played Brazil mm-hmm. we knew we were going to get absolutely slaughtered I think they basically put their bench out there to play against us for the whole game and we barely won a point yeah. but just the fact that we got to play against one of the top two or three teams yeah. in the world was it's like wow we played against those guys Whereas, yeah. and that was the thing, and, and in in Switzerland last year, it's like we didn't play anyone who finished above twelfth or thirteenth. The way might even been less than that. So it's kind of like it was amazing, but it's still it's ultimately unfulfilling to go. You spend four years waiting, you spend all this money to go over, mm-hmm. and you don't get to play against any of the good teams. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm kind of doing this little bit of a rant because I'm pretty sure that Chris and Yawn will be listening. So <laughs> it's it's a bit of my this is my bugbear about I get I get what you do with the schedule, but we'd love to at least have an opportunity to play against you know even if we get belted it doesn't you know, just the opportunity to play against those big teams is pretty special and you have to wait four years for it and then when you don't even get a chance it's like it's a little bit unfulfilling yeah i, I mean that's basically our dream right to get passed by germany i'd love to be a part of that yeah <laughs> even if they... i've never had my arm broken by a patrick thomas serve <laughs> even if they're hitting him at 60 percent, you know it's still going to be better than like anything we've had to face i had a chance to get my arm pelted by one but i just missed it oh. i swear i swear i was close i might have been i might have been two feet off but that that was no that was that was you know and and you guys are talking about that and that was definitely a feeling we're playing in the match against germany we know we're you know we know we're not gonna it's very unlikely we're gonna win the game i think we actually played relatively well against them because there was no pressure and they were definitely on their heels you know they're you know they're they're gonna win yeah um, yeah, but being up there against him, and and even I think I, I think like one ball I defended off of uh, the lefty Lucas Schubert, 
Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's yeah, simple ball, easy ball. But even even just getting that and being like, oh, I played that ball off of, yeah. off of this guy perfectly. That was really cool. And playing down in the Pan American Games, doing the national team competition against them, playing against Brazil, Argentina, and Chile, really, really, really fun. Argu- arguably more fun than the the World Championships because it's just more like more and more competition, and yeah. and there's more team. There were more teams on our level, like club club teams. There like there were some club teams who we matched up really, really well against. And had some Eds had some like really amazing games against that were extremely tight. Like I think the last two games we played against uh, Punta Chica in uh, Argentina, and oh god, we lost. We we lost like it was two one, two one in sets, but the game was so close. And then I think I was Manquiwe from from Chile, um, and they didn't they didn't have Alvaro. Yeah, uh, of course, but again, so much much tighter game, a game we thought we could win, and and we lost two one. But so many good rallies, so many good points, such a tight game, and I, I completely understand where you guys are coming from. I I, I do. It's I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer. <laughs> play play in Yona and and put yourself in the in the top division. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> Just put ourselves in there. <laughs> well, Ma- Ma- Malcolm, I think we have to. The, when we schedule this tournament, we have to. Uh, well, there's so many teams who have to find who have to get a place, and and it's not possible to have everybody play against <laughs> Germany or against <laughs> Austria. It's just it is not possible. <laughs> Uh, it was better. It was better earlier. Uh, it was still pretty good. It was still a pretty good. Thanks, oh, Christoph. Great, great to have Christoph on the podcast for a second. <laughs> it was better earlier. I shouldn't have had the Fosters. It was better before. <laughs> um, so anyway, Corey, looking forward, are you you're going to put your your fist up for the the Mannheim? Oh yeah, Do you think? starting five. It's got to be because yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, as much as uh, as much as I worked hard to to get on the team, you know, there's only twelve guys in the U.S. who are decent at fistball, and I was one of the ten. So it's there's definitely room to to grow and, and get better. For me, even I've done a lot of like personal training in the in before even before like right after the World Championships, I started playing volleyball all the time. You know, just trying to get better ath- athletically. And during quarantine, just like hitting the ball in my backyard, trying to figure out how to find figure out how to hit a fist ball was was a big one. And honestly, from where I am, from where I was then, 2019, end of summer to now, to to me, it's totally different. And you know, hey, I could step on the fist ball field with all the USA guys, and it could be it could be the same, or or it could be different. But I think a lot of learning and a lot of mental maturity has happened since then. So I'm certainly pushing to be a high level contributor on the team for 2023 and and for 2021 and for the world games in 2022 you know it's it's we're we're really lucky we we got you know we have a lot of like I'd, l- I'd like to say that U.S. the U.S. has dealt a pretty nice hand in terms of fistball opportunities coming up because yeah. we're, we're hosting the World Games. So in theory, we're going to get a, a an automatic bid, um, even though we finished outside the top eight. So Chris, sorry I did a bad impression of you, but <laughs> we'd like to play in the World Games. I think it's going to happen. <laughs> I'd also just just point out there just the classic um, arrogant American stereotype of pointing out that they have twelve guys that are good at fistball. Like, okay, yeah, no, no need to rub it in in there. Um, and how about the rest of the team? Because the age group you were saying there's there's three or four guys that are around about your age group, but then three of us on un- three of us under thirty, and then there's the next group, yeah. right? Who are probably just a little bit younger than Mal and myself, like mid thirties. Are we talking? Yeah, I think so. Gee, three under th- three under thirty, rubbing it in again. <laughs> 
yeah i think i think uh yeah i think some of the guys will be like 38 you know man it's it's all about how you move and and how you play and and how well you read the game and 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 your endurance yep I mean, especially for the world championships, you know, it's like, you know, what, it's like six, seven days straight. It's it's all about endurance at, at, at that point. So I don't I don't see anybody dropping out easily. And I think it's going to be a battle. And I mean, my goal outside of myself is to just keep bringing in new players because at a certain point, and I, and I think this was a, another problem with our team and it's not, you know, nobody's fault. But again, you know, we only have 12 guys who can play the game pretty well we're only going to get that much better the weaker players will benefit by playing against the big better players but the better players are, you know maybe aren't going to benefit as much from playing against the weaker players you know that kind of thing um so just bringing in new blood bringing in fresh blood bringing in some kids you know guys who can just run around forever and and we have the passion we have the desire from a lot of the guys who i've been playing with so that's kind of my goal is is you know have them push you too, because you know, as soon as you see someone who's younger than you running around and, and doing better than you, you're like, you're like shit, <laughs> I, I live my game. Come on, yeah, like, get it together. So it's it, that that internal motivation, you know, internal motivation. We're gonna we're, we'll get better from there, and then. Yeah, plus, I mean, you got to have a national team that's uh, still putting up good performances, right? If you want to get the young guys to continue, because they have to have something to look look up to. They need to see the the US team having some success, mm-hmm. and then you need them to kind of look at you guys and go, "I feel like I could get onto that team," exactly, and then keep pushing to get to that level. Yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of how much how much bigger we'll get in terms of a uh, fistball nation, and we can teach kids to set the ball one meter away. Smashville, easy. Yes, Smashville. <laughs> Smashville, Tennessee. <laughs> it's the game's easy when you can set the ball from anywhere. Yeah. And set it perfectly. Oh yeah. That's the game. That's the game right there. Do you have any other questions, Mal? I guess we could talk about, I guess, the youth a little bit before we get onto the game review. Yeah, we're we're looking pretty good. We're looking pretty good time wise. We're only at an hour and twenty minutes, so we're um, Shit. we're we're flying, on. <laughs> and we don't even have like a whole bunch of really badly unusable content like we had last week. So, so this is this is all you. You're hosting this one, Millie. This is your train wreck that you have to deal with yourself. So I'm not even feeling guilty here. I'm just running with it. Okay, well, I'll just ask the final question of the interview. With the youth teams, you're heavily involved in that, right? Are you one of the coaches or are you just um, sourcing out young talent? It's So I would say it's it's from, it's from more based in our club than it is in nationally, to you know, to, to put it simply. So my club at, at uh, SSC, we've been doing as much as we can with, with youth programs. And we were actually, after hosting the, uh, what, the U18 World Championships in 2018, uh, we got a couple guys who played in that and a couple guys who actually saw the tournament just as passers-by and said, whoa, fistball, this is really cool. I want to I do that. So it, it's this constant process of like trying to figure out how to draw people to the club, how to draw people to the sport that not many people know about. And the, the big obstacle to overcome is that other sports are just so much bigger and so much more organized and have been doing it for so much longer yep. than than all of us. Like. There's three or four volleyball clubs like pretty close to our club and they have so many, you know, they have so many people. I'm sure they're turning people away, you know, still trying to figure out how to, you know, how to squeeze ourselves into that niche. Yep. Um, but what I can say is that we have a good group of committed players who have been playing with us. It's not a large number, but the people who have been coming have been coming consistently. They're all into it. Um, we're all friends, you know, more or less. I'm I'm a coach, but I'm also a player. I'm 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 wearing a lot of different hats in in, in terms of that development. Yeah. Um, 
so it's again there's there's no solution uh that's like there's no universal solution um i think the biggest the best thing is to just be there and, and be consistent um and obviously like you know corona and that slowed down a lot of things for a while um but doing things with restrictions and you know luckily fistball is a relatively socially distant sport and it's outdoors we've been working within those restrictions um in that way so yep. are you guys gonna have a team for 2021 yeah so the under 18 team is probably not going to happen for the u.s in 2021 simply because a lot of our players are over 18 but under 21 so I, if, I think if, if we had an under 21 world championships, we would definitely have a boys team. We might be able to have a girls team. Just the numbers are not quite there. So my focus is, has actually been on the women's national team for 2021. Um, so we've been doing a, a couple different uh, like open days, get women involved. We're actually going to be doing one Sunday. So when you hear this podcast, it'll be whenever that was. But <laughs> trying to do an uh, adult women's team for next year in, in Yona, hopefully. So that's kind of the shifted focus. I would like to say there's there's a whole mess of, of people and there's a whole structure working on youth and working on women's and working on men's and working on kids. But we only have a couple people in you know in general. And again, regionally we're 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 spread out pretty far. So. I have lots of excuses, but uh, we'll, there there will be results. There will there will be results. Don't worry. It sounds pretty similar to us, anyway. Like it's a couple of people organizing everything, and uh, we also need to work on building the women's player base as well. Plus, obviously, we don't have an under 18s team. We haven't in our history yet, but that's definitely our next goal. But uh, yeah. now that Mal and I, I'm speaking for him, is now retired from the national team, we can uh, focus on getting you know kids playing it in school or whatever. You know, try to get it spread a little bit more. Yeah, because I would love to have an under 18 team plus then we can seamlessly slide into a coaching position and, yes. and be able to still go to these tournaments yes <laughs> the, the, key, the key is to you know you, you got to get into one of those roles like like fifa where you, you don't really do anything but you but you make a lot of money you know what i mean <laughs> yeah you yeah know, like one, one of those high-powered like international sports organization positions where you yeah i don't know if i don't know if ifa's there yet they're, they're getting there. well that was one of our things <laughs> of why, why we why we named the fistball federation of australia was is tending the ffa but yes. we just put a lowercase i in there so we always call ourselves FIFA because we, we sort of feel like we're we're probably less corrupt <laughs> far less corrupt than the real FIFA which doesn't say much because we are f- we're still fairly corrupt but I don't think we're as corrupt as FIFA everyone is. has a price guys everyone has a price you know what I mean when we announce the next Australian Fistball Championships is going to be hosted in Qatar you'll know that we've totally sold out <laughs> uh, but but to but to kind of you know bring bring that last point home about you know okay trying to get kids team okay trying to get women's team it's 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 so much better it, you know as long as it's coming from that place of of, of like love and, and and wanting to do something for for the sake of other people getting that same experience that you got maybe the first time you you had that experience you know you went to that big tournament or or even even just playing the game you know with your with your friends yep yeah i think that's that's the thing that always that drives me is is saying okay how can i how can i give this experience to to somebody else i don't know i i get so much joy just hanging out next to a fistball field all day i can i can watch the sport forever no matter how horrible the game is <laughs> you know i have so much fun no matter what Fist. All right. Well, that concludes part one of our two-part episode with Corey Dahn of the United States Fistball Association. Uh, but let's not beat around the bush here. When we got Corey 
online for this podcast. We certainly were not intending on this being a two-part episode. But I guess maybe we should have known. Corey is very passionate about fistball, and it's very clear at this stage that Mal and I have no trouble going off on pointless tangents. All up from the moment that we called Corey to the moment we hung up, it actually was a four-hour and 50-minute conversation, uh, of which three hours and 20 minutes were recorded, of which we are now going to cut down into two episodes that are just over an hour each. We hope that you will return for part two, which will be released in a week's time. That episode will cover the standard match review, uh, and Corey has chosen the 2018 US Club Championship game. And of course, there'll be the customary shout-outs. So we hope you'll come back for part two. But until then, Uru and Fist on. Fist! Fist. 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 Fist.